hearing this? Anybody hear that? How can we possibly have the slightest idea what to expect? Well, we're back. Hold on to your butts. Welcome to the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we are here to discuss all things Jurassic, including the movies, TV shows, music, toys, and more. In episode 369, we begin our multi-part deep dive into John Williams' score for The Lost World Jurassic Park. Kayla Burnett once again returns to help me analyze this incredibly awesome score for probably one of John Williams' most underrated scores. I'm serious. I feel like nobody talks about this one in relation to John Williams' incredible scores. It is so good and so undervalued. Um, and and it's a huge, uh, this is going to be a huge multi-part look. I don't even know how many episodes. We haven't finished recording it. Uh, it's probably going to be at least three, maybe four. Who knows? It is that big. Uh, so for now, we hope you enjoy our first installment where we look into um, the themes of the score. We talk about our history with this score, and we dive into where, uh, what the things were that maybe John Williams referenced for this score, as well as the first five tracks of La La Land Records' expanded score. It's incredible, so we really hope you dig this one. And of course, while you're listening to this episode, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, TikTok, and of course, YouTube to continue the conversation from this episode. And as always, please check out our weekly live streams discussing all all of the latest Jurassic news from around the world, Wednesday nights, 9 p.m. EST, each and every week over on YouTube. Now, next week, we continue with our second installment of our analysis of the Lost World score. We're going to hear um, a bunch of previously unreleased material as of 2016, I think, when La La Land Records uh, first came out with their uh, CD. And uh, there's some tracks in there that you uh, hadn't heard previous to that. And we're going to dive into, I think, one of the best parts of the score, Rescuing Sarah. So stay tuned for that one next week. So come join us as we begin our latest journey with a deep dive into John Williams' incredible score for The Lost World, Jurassic Park. on this expanded score but also on the expanded expanded score and then the regular score like there's just way too many things and then also on top of all of those tracks there's also things to compare and contrast yeah. and i am overloaded uh i i was listening back or i don't know if it was my interview because i've done a, a little bit of research just a little bit of research for this episode because um so i listened to my own interview with Mike Mattesino, 
And then I also, uh, if anybody doesn't know who Mike is, Mike uh, basically produced and edited and just did all the absolute work and uh, did the liner notes and everything in, oh, I forgot my book. Oh, no. What are we going to, I'm going to have to look up a picture of it. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he did all the work on on the, uh, the La La Land Records uh, yeah. scores. And so I was listening to my episode. I listened to somebody else's episode where he talked about the new uh, version of The Lost World. And uh, I tried to get a, a lot of information from him, but he had at, at one point had said something along the lines of it's exhausting. <laughs> like, listen, yeah. like this track, this score is exhausting because it is so much. And uh, there, especially um, with my conversation with Mike, I, I was like, really focused on talking about the lost world I, I wanted to talk about jurassic park but my goal was to talk to him about the lost world because i really wanted to learn about everything that was revealed and this conversation my mind was blown was eight years ago <laughs> at this point i did this conversation eight years ago and i was like oh, oh i thought wow. this was just like you know a year a few years ago but like eight years ago we talked about yeah. the release of the oh, first la la land records um, you know, album for the lost world, but there, there have, has been a lot. There was the initial one. And, and if everybody doesn't realize already, we're talking about the lost world and the incredible score from John Williams. And I am here with Caleb Burnett. Caleb, how are you doing? You doing good? The cars have camo. <laughs> Dinosaurs can't see us. <laughs> And Ian Malcolm's here too. Um, hi, <laughs> I'm I'm good. Um, I'm great. I I came up with those lyrics today, so they were too good I, to pass up. You just you feel you're reminding me of of uh, Jeff Goldblum himself, just going on every talk show and making <laughs> up lyrics to the Jurassic Park theme. This this is our Jurassic Park. Uh, this is this is like my favorite of the the first two scores at least and maybe overall completely um it's just phenomenal so this this is going to be a lot to talk about and like yes. i said i've done a lot of research i've done a lot of looking into things and writing down all the details as much as i could come up with and think of and um there is a lot so we 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 like to do some little notes and uh introductions and 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 different things so i wanted to talk first uh before we get into all those those notes and and fun facts i wanted to talk a little bit about your history i guess with this score and your thoughts on the score what does it mean to you uh all these years later and and just how do you feel about it what what was your do you have any, like any fun stories about it or anything like that uh, hmm. I, I love this score. This score is incredible. Um, it's wildly distinct from Jurassic Park. It's completely different stylistically. Um, there's so much mystery and like relentless punching action and adventure. It's just full of those things. Um, yeah, uh, I, when I was an undergrad, I watched Jurassic Park, uh in a film music class with a bunch of other uh music people who are studying music and so it was really fun afterwards to have a conversation about like what they thought about these scores and like which one they like better and like 
Um, that's the first time I remember realizing just how starkly different the Jurassic Park score is from the Lost World score. And like, um, yeah, it just, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it it is so incredibly different. Like, that's the main thing that stands out, right? Like, it, it, uh, it we'll, we'll dive so deep into it, I feel like. But, um, you know, just from the start, uh, honestly, the entire film, the marketing, everything about the movie felt different. It felt wild and new and untouched. Um, and I just, I love that about the lost world. And that's what the score speaks to from start to finish. And, you know, th this movie in particular starts off with a, just a, a black screen that lasts yeah. so yeah. In, incredibly long. And I love that. But this score and this, the sound effects and everything, the growling of the waves and and the score just like really set the stage for what this movie's going to be. And I think that's what makes this so beautiful. And it's that iconic imagery as well that I was mentioning about the like the marketing and stuff. There's th just the materials of how the Lost World was branded with the sometimes there was like neon coloring and uh, like hazard like looking branding signs and stuff like that but then there was also just the the cracked and broken and overgrown vibe of everything and i just i love that about this score and and the booklet itself which i uh, that's what i was mentioning before that i forgot i was like ah i meant to grab it and then i just rushed down to record and i completely forgot um but it is uh that is one of my most favorite things about this score is the case that it came in and it's funny because I, I while i was doing some research for this uh looking at forums and things like that i found i came across a lot of people that did not like the pop-up case that the cd came really in. the 1997 ost like came in this like fold out pop-up case that had like a, a the raptors popped up the, the the park gates but with the lost world logo which was just awesome uh, yes. a, like a huge T-Rex, a Stegosaurus, and a Parasaurolophus, and then just this jungle background that just looks absolutely incredible. And um, I can't really say that it really looks like the Lost World jungle, but it, it just, it's such a cool <laughs> vibe, and I love it so much. And also the cracked look of the CD itself with the red yeah. and the black, just so simple. Um, it just, it sparked a vibe from it's very inception uh listening to the score and and then witnessing the movie it's just one of my most favorite things of all time and i think when i was a kid playing uh with the toys and everything i think you know i was um i don't know 11 or 12 or something at this period and and for me that was like peak playing with jurassic park kenner hasbro <laughs> toys or whatever and and just like having all those incredible Lost World toys and then putting on the soundtrack while playing with those toys, getting my boom box, bringing it into my basement, hit and play, and just hearing that 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 island theme and the island's voice and then just the drums banging and everything. It was just such a, 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 an incredible vibe to just sit there. And that, when I think about my childhood, that is absolutely one of the feelings that I feel is just playing with these toys, listening to this score and... uh it's just beautiful, man. Like I absolutely love this score. No, that's that's fantastic. I wish I could uh, join you for your Lost World sessions in your basement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, 
that CD cover is the coolest thing. And when you open the whole thing up, it's like almost two feet long and like it all stands up as a display and yeah. like, it's so awesome. Um, no, but every, like, as I've been researching a little bit uh, for this episode, like, a lot of things that I read about the lost world were like the it's the darker sequel to Jurassic park, the darker second movie of the Jurassic series. And, um, no, you I'm good? Here. sorry, you can keep going. I was just, I thought I, I thought it was like right here. I thought this, I thought the booklet was right there. That's why I went to go look in this. Oh, okay. I, I was like, wait, <laughs> he just got up really quickly. I hope everything's okay. No, everything's um, good. <laughs> Um, no, but like everything I was reading this week was about how it's this darker sequel to Jurassic Park and darker second movie of the Jurassic series. And um, it is. Um, it's extremely unique. It's just this. Um, I I like to say that the Jurassic franchise did the whole like anthology spinoff thing before it was cool because like this a story a random story about malcolm and his girlfriend and a secret island is not necessarily the direct jurassic park sequel that you might expect yeah and so like i feel like this story we get in the lost world with malcolm is sort of like i don't know it's like a malcolm spinoff story almost yeah but, uh, and that's that's a whole other conversation but like i just <laughs> the lost world is just fantastic i i love this movie so much and the score is also just so dear to me i love it so much yeah so. I, I gotta be careful because when you bring up like this this uh kind of spin-off story that's exactly how i've been feeling forever really like i yeah uh, and i've been saying it a lot over the course of the past few days how like i want yeah i heard a, i heard you. <laughs> a direct jurassic park sequel and like the that th this movie's not that it it's a different you know vibe completely a different story a different island a different it's, everything it's jurassic and, park and ian malcolm story is what yeah. it is <laughs> yeah it's so it's it's a completely different thing and i i love that um like this score is just so incredibly bold and they you know they took risks with the movie but like they took or john took so much risk with creating a brand new score that does not rely on the incredible score that came before it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't. There's like a few lingering, you know, adventure theme, island fanfare theme, whatever. But like, that's about it. It's really not heavily involved in any of the uh, the pieces really at all. So it's just, it's bold. And I know, you know, Steven had a big hand in uh, collaborating as far as like what this should sound like with the drums and everything like that. Um, and I, I just think that they, they took some chances and I think personally that it paid off. And I know not everybody really loves this movie like I do, um, or, you know, a lot of Jurassic fans, but like, I think this is, you know, one that contends directly with the first film for me. And some days it's number one, some days it's number two. It just goes back and forth with, with the first film. And I, and yeah, I, like I said, I love this score so much. I think the score is top tier and undervalued from, you know, from John Williams. Like John created something so different and so unique and unlike anything he's ever created, probably still to this day, like you just don't hear anything like that from him. So 
just I just can't believe how good it is and and how undervalued it is in the the world of you know film scores. It's I was thinking about this earlier. It's like it's definitely absolutely in my opinion um one of if not the most underrated of John Williams scores. I think I think it's one that people never talk about. <laughs> um and it's like I was uh, on the Wikipedia page for the Lost World score <laughs> the other day, <laughs> and at the like the first introductory paragraph, the last sentence of it said something to the effect of Steven Spielberg even praised uh, John Williams' work on the Lost World as being superior to his work on Jurassic Park, and I was like, hmm, I I don't know if that's like verified true. But it's definitely interesting to think about as far as like the two scores and how they relate to each other. But I I yeah. think there was there was oh man, I don't know. I remember hearing Steven say that he thinks this is the best of the two scores. Yeah. So like yeah. I remember I like remember vocally him saying that like out loud. So like I believe I think it, it is but true, like, yeah. But like I yeah, I know that, you know, there's a lot of conversation about whether Steven loves this movie or not, you know, like does, mm -hmm. you know, he's had a lot of issues with how things turned out, I think. But like, personally, Steven Spielberg, you're wrong. This is a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> so you did a good job, Steven Spielberg. And uh, you're right, John Williams, this is probably his best Jurassic score. And um, I'm just forever grateful that this is just something that exists and is just so so cool sounding but uh let's get into some um some like fun facts and notes do you got anything that yeah. you can uh, read off here yeah for sure um so the score for the lost world jurassic park jurassic pork <laughs> jurassic park the score i'm gonna start that over the <laughs> score for the lost world jurassic park was recorded um in march of 1997 um, on the Sony scoring stage in Culver City, California, where they just named a building after John Williams. Um, the album was released April 30th, 1997. Um, and something that I, uh, story around this score that I like to tell people, I talked about it in our Jurassic Park episodes a little bit, but um, John Williams hurt his back during the recording sessions of Jurassic Park. So he did not conduct all of that music. The Lost World, however, was the first Jurassic Park score that John Williams conducted the entire thing. Um, <clears throat> and so I think that's cool. Um, it was orchestrated by Conrad Pope and John Neufeld, um, who are frequent collaborators of John Williams. Um, John Neufeld also worked on Jurassic Park and then came back and also worked on The Lost World. Um, this, The Lost World... Uh, score album along with Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park 3 is is on Apple Music Classical like we talked a little bit about last time with Jurassic Park um the album is on there it's not uh as extensively described as Jurassic Park is for some reason um but uh it is on there and like classified as classical music so um yeah. Uh, and then the last thing I want to say is um, <laughs> in the episodes where we talked about Jurassic Park, we I we talked a lot about aleatoric music and like <laughs> what that means and the instruments sort of playing things that sound random and crazy and chaotic. Um, that's going to be talked about a lot <laughs> in these episodes about the Lost World as well. 
Um, and just something that I think is really cool about this score is that so much through this, like throughout the entire score, all over the place, um, in order to create that chaotic, crazy sound, John Williams would provide instrument sections like the brass or um, woodwinds or strings or percussion, um, just a series of pitches or like a scale and say, play, play these um, ad lib, like play at, yeah. at your will. You decide like, just so it's just, they're all <laughs> over the place and it's crazy. And I like, that's just so awesome. Like it's such a cool way to create that. So yeah. yeah and that happens all over the place in this score. So Anyway. Yeah, it's so yeah, I, I did write that down as well. Uh, so it's funny you mentioned it here. But yeah, it is just so chaotic at times. And um, there's a lot of it that definitely is obviously, you know, all written out and and not, you know, made to chance. But like, so much of it also does sound so chaotic that like, you can definitely tell there was no script when writing this one that they're just like, boom, just like <laughs> hitting everything. Um, it, at times it's like atonal. You don't really know like where, what you should be listening to and following. And like, uh, it's just, it's wild. So I, um, yeah, I wrote down that as well. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I, I, I wanted to mention too, that uh, this is the 14th collaboration between John Williams and Steven Spielberg. So at that point, yeah. and, and obviously there's been many since, but um and a, a fun note that I, I heard about uh, while listening to um, another John Williams podcast uh, from Michael Madison or Mike Madison,o they mentioned about the most recent La La Land uh, release, stating that um, some of these these new features that were on that new release uh, were due to like the theme parks in Orlando playing music that. Mm people it, and i've had this experience where i because i spend a lot of time there like I've, i go down there often and i've i've been in there and i've been like what is this what am <laughs> i listening to right now i don't know what this is and and yeah. apparently that was the case where like they actually did like communicate with uh the theme parks to actually like you know find out what they were playing and um at times they could have been playing different uh, different takes um, depending on what uh, tapes that they got originally from this back in the 90s you know to yeah. set up this theme park they could have been playing different ta uh, takes just mixing it differently like setting up the speakers in a way where you get to really only hear this portion of the song or that portion of the song so I thought that was really interesting that you know for a while I've wondered like oh what do we need this second edition for like it seems like a, a cash grab or something like that but there is a lot of the same stuff the same material but there is a few there are a few like things that like i think just worth 30 dollars alone for like one or two tracks you know so oh yeah absolutely um, yeah but i thought that was kind of interesting the fact that like the theme parks were kind of one of the catalysts to uh create you know a new version of the score that is super interesting and like you know, something that I've been thinking about with this score and like watching watching the film yesterday for the first time in a little bit, like something that I've been thinking about is like how much music editing went into this score in this film and mm -hmm. like all the different takes of things and material that feels similar. And um, yeah, it's, it's just a, a really interesting sort of... Uh, 
final product that came out of lots of takes and lots of music and lots of editing into different combinations. So it's that's an interesting thing about this score. Yeah, and that's honestly what makes it very difficult to analyze <laughs> and yeah, yeah. to look through and to uh, research because um, I feel like this one more than Jurassic Park, um, you, there were so many tracks where I would listen through and then like this track w isn't even in the movie whatsoever. Like, and there's multiple of those tracks that are not anywhere in the movie. And then also yeah. they sometimes they'll just play part of the track and then not the other part of the track. And then, mm -hmm. you know, so they'll fade in, they'll fade out, they'll cut and then they'll come back to it later. And then there'll be, it, so it was a really arduous experience kind of going through this and then figuring out where everything is supposed to be. And, um, and, and going back and listening to that episode I did with Mike Matasito, I was like, whoa, like I, I, you know, I got that realization once again, once listening to it again, that like, you know, they, they go through like every take and redo this album. Not, they don't just like get the track and then just adjust levels. They actually go through all these different takes and figure out why did they take take five versus take three or so whatever you know like mm -hmm. so they actually figure out that all that out and it's so wild that like this is a this is not just like a you know, a weekend you know experiment that mike madison is doing to create these albums this is a big process that you have to go through so many takes and uh mike was saying you know he listens to john talk to the orchestra in between those takes and it's wild yeah. like, there's so <laughs> much going on and this movie you know, like you had just said, you just watched it. I just rewatched it as well, uh, just to get like a better idea. And it gave me a different appreciation or uh, a different process of thinking, I guess, towards this film where like I watched it and I'm like, oh, so this is different than they intended at one point. You know, like there's a lot going on here that wasn't what John Williams thought this movie was going to be and maybe not even what Steven thought, you know, he was making. And so there's yeah. a lot of edits and cuts and things that like just either didn't fit or didn't work. Or uh, there was, I, I remember reading something that like John was like upset when he saw that a certain track was not actually used in the film. Oh, yeah. It's like, so, and, and for the most part, which we'll talk about the, the, like the lost world theme is just used continually oh yeah like oh, a yeah. lot and I, and like <laughs> of course i knew that but like like honing in on the score and really just listening to how many times something is used and where it's used and what the setting is what the scenery the the context of everything uh, it's really interesting to hear how often that that uh that theme is used you know in this in this movie yeah, I gotta. Next time I watch The Lost World, I gotta just like sit there and make tally marks every time. <laughs> every time that theme yeah. comes up, I bet it's, I bet it's close to twenty if I were to guess. It's but a lot, yeah. It is, uh, and that's <laughs> maybe we'll calculate that later. Um, no, I was gonna say the same thing about. Um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, of. Um, <laughs> watching uh watching the lost world kind of with a different perspective of like well i mean i listen to the music every time probably but like this time because we're doing this episode i was kind of like really tuning in on that and like listening to all the music editing wizardry 
that was that is going on in that movie. I noticed it a lot more this watch than I have in the past. Um, but John Williams has every right to be frustrated if they didn't use a <laughs> track. Um, cause, yeah. Because uh, my point here is that like he wrote a ton of great music, so much so that like it was even more than the movie needed. Yeah. And like they edited, <laughs> they edited all these great pieces together. And there's, but there's so much great that you have extra great music that you don't even use. So like, um, yeah, he has every yeah. right to be frustrated that they didn't didn't use a piece of that music in the movie. <laughs> and, and what's so interesting about it is, you know, the original score is is drastically different than what we've gotten recently on the La La Land Records editions. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I just oh, I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, there, there's there's some tracks on that original score that I think have become iconic from that movie and like you know for so long it'd be like this is oh this is such a killer track and then when you find out that it's not even in the movie it's yeah. just an accompaniment to the film it's just like an additional like i don't even know it's like you know you're listening to an audiobook and there's just like another track that's like in the score underneath like somebody talking about the book or you know or you you bought, I don't know, like uh, something. There was, even in Jurassic Park, actually, there was that, um, uh, I think it was the James Earl Jones uh, thing, uh, the documentary that had, like, one of the tracks from that score, like, that mm -hmm. wasn't in the movie, but it was in the credits of that thing. So it's like, you find these, like, extra tracks sometimes just in the most random places. And this this score just has them on this album, but are not even present in the movie. So it's pretty wild, but, uh, yeah. Film cues get, it. get reused and moved all over the place all the time. There's, I mean, we're talking about the lost world score. There's a, I forget exactly which one off the top of my head right now, but like there is a cue from the lost world in the trailer for Jurassic park three. So like oh. <laughs> that the music gets moved around. Yeah. So. And, and the theme park, like I mentioned before, like there's tracks on this, original score that are not in the movie but are in the theme park and that's like too cool like you just yeah. it just becomes synonymous with that film yet it's not even a part of the film it's so it's such a cool thing to to have and to appreciate over you know however long it's been since 1997 um again <laughs> we're almost going to be celebrating another 30th anniversary in a few yeah, years <laughs> we are <laughs> Um, so while we're talking about some facts and, and things, uh, you know, the original score consisted of 14 tracks. Um, so, and, and a lot of those tracks like the, uh, Jurassic Park score feature multiple movements of different cues that are, you know, uh, split out in the actual, uh, La La Land records versions. But, um, again, it's, it makes for like a confusing, it makes for good listening experience, but a confusing analysis experience. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, La La Land first print, uh, oh, I don't even know how many that has for some reason, the numbers didn't transfer over, but there's, there's a lot. Uh, and it equates to, uh, I believe it was 109 minutes of music. Um, yeah. With also there was like an additional, uh, there was an additional eight minutes on that one, which uh, so 118 minutes of music with that one included some previously unreleased music and then released music that also had unreleased sections of music. So, um, yeah. and then the other the the most recent one, which was was that last year? 
Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. So, uh, two two thousand twenty three. Um, that one had like eighteen di- eighteen tracks on the first disc, uh, sixty eight minutes there, and then the second disc had seventeen, and uh, that was sixty six minutes, equating to two hours and fifteen minutes of music. Again, with some previously unreleased stuff and some different material on those tracks as well. Um, and some alternate takes, and uh, one of which is a a first take. And I was like, "Ooh, that's so that's such a cool tidbit to learn about." Um, but <laughs> a lot of music. So there's a lot, a lot of music. Um, and uh, before we get into the score itself, I think we should maybe set it up with a few of the references and some of the things that maybe John was looking into. You know, I think. Um, I think with Jurassic Park, I, I maybe said something along the lines of that. I felt like it was very um, unique, and it felt like if it's, it was a, of its own thing, and I didn't really get a lot of, you know, historical flashbacks to other scores and different, you know, uh, composers and things like that. But this one, it seems so set on creating a, a style and a, you know, a, a, just a, a vision when it comes to this music. And a lot of that comes from other films and other things like that. So I, I thought that was pretty yeah. interesting to learn about. Um, I think I think I just real quickly wanted to say something that I wrote down, which was I think what you're saying is because like so many elements of The Lost World as a film and the score are like just true classic elements of like 50s 60s 70s mm-hmm. adventure movies like the golden age stuff and so like yeah i think that's sort of what inspired the score to also kind of be that way but yeah yeah so one of the ones i wanted to take a look at here is uh you know we've just got king kong and uh it's a yes. very obvious one because <laughs> what happens in this movie but uh a ship brings over uh you know a creature not uh, not uh, or I guess foreign to the land that it's come to, and uh, that's very reminiscent of King Kong. And there's a ship moments with in... the same name as the ship in the Lost World, Jurassic World. Yeah, so King Kong has a lot of these moments as well. But um, this track here, this uh, I forget which one it was, but uh, this one reminded me a lot of the Lost World. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is like finding Camp Jurassic is what it yeah. is. It's almost like identical. Yeah. So you can you can definitely tell like stuff. what yeah. John was going for. And John has been known to do that a lot. You know, it, it is basically almost do a one for one uh, with some, you know, <laughs> older, older music. And I, I think that's really cool, though. I think it's cool to kind of do your own spin on music that's existed before and just trying to capture that vibe for the film. Um, Absolutely. That's yeah. uh, Max Steiner, right? Yep. Uh, this next one here is from uh, Lawrence of Arabia, and this is—I'm going to just turn the volume up right away, so this one gets you, and you'll—you'll—you'll you'll, you'll get it. So we're still playing Kong here. Let me pause that. Um, this one is very obvious. I feel like from the start. <laughs> Let's see. Hit play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. 
I don't know why it's fine with that. So it's really just that that introduction for the most part. There's parts I think throughout this that sound like it, but that just boom, 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 boom. It's a, it's a very reminiscent of the opening of this this score, the Jurassic uh, Lost World one. Absolutely. Um, and one that uh, you know, I know you had mentioned as well, and I was looking into. I don't really know much about it, but uh, I was looking through, and I, I thought, wow, some of this score does not sound anything like this. Uh, this is from Hatari. <laughs> Hatari, Atari. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Atari, but Hatari um, from Henry Mancini. And I found this track here, The Sounds of Hatari. That really sounds a lot like The Lost World. Skip ahead a little bit. Getting, you're getting it now, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the cool thing about Hatari is that if you look at the movie poster or the album cover, you'll see, a, I think it's a rhinoceros, like, ramming yeah. a jeep. Um, and uh, Rick Carter and John Bell talk about talk often about how Hatari was a inspiration for their concept art for The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Mm, that's so. cool cool connection but but when you listen to like the rest like uh, not the rest of the score but some tracks from it i was like just skimming through and i'm like whoa this is just straight john williams but like in terms of his jazz background yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that I'm like whoa this is just <laughs> completely different uh but there are parts of this that i was like it steps it up absolutely i'm like whoa this is like rescuing sarah yeah <laughs> rescuing sarah if it were a little more jazzy yeah, well, it's funny because while listening to some of these um, tracks that maybe weren't included or different parts that you can't necessarily hear, there was parts of The Lost World where I was like, whoa, this is jazzy. What's going on here? Yeah. Like, this is funky, yeah. dude. Like, what is Absolutely. happening? Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, uh, we'll get composer... into that. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was going to say a composer friend of mine and I call, um, there's a track on The Lost World score called, called The Raptors Appear. Mm -hmm. um which is you could call it jazzy um we <laughs> a composer friend of mine and i call that the dance of the raptor like we Ooh. always call call that cue the dance of the raptor because it's <laughs> what you were saying about it being jazzy so yeah, yeah. i forget what we'll go through it, but i forget which track it was but i literally just wrote whoa this is funky dude this is <laughs> sounds like nice. whoa this is this is cool um but uh yeah that's the uh some of the references that john you know had looked into and talked about and uh referenced there very very heavily um mm -hmm. so that's pretty obvious but i thought we should also kind of well you know we'll do that i guess um on our first two tracks so we don't really have to um do a whole separate uh, breakout here because the first two tracks are really the themes of this film. Mm -hmm. So we might as well jump right into the tracks, unless you have anything else to add before we get into them. No, uh, I have a lot of thoughts about the themes that we're about to hear. So <laughs> let's do it. I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, so we're going to jump right in. Um, now, the uh, both of the uh, original score and the La La Land Records version um, – kick off with the Lost World theme. Now, this theme is not 
at the start of the movie or anything like that, but there were little concessions that like Mike Mattesino had to make in order to make like a, a decent listening experience and to kind of kick off the La La Land records with the island's voice. It doesn't really work as well. I think you need to start off with uh, the Lost World, the theme from the Lost World, and that's that's exactly what this is. So the rousing, iconic. exciting, yeah, thing. Yeah, it's iconic. Absolutely. Just exudes adventure. Like we are going on an ex- expedition. Yeah. Something I uh, wrote down while I was taking notes watching and listening yesterday was that, you know, it begins right here with this cue, but throughout this score, like, the percussion and the drums, like, lay this foundation for brassy action on top. Um, And it's just a great way to build a score. Yeah, there's... I forget exactly which track in love. When it comes up, I'll, I'll mention it, but it just sounds so regal and just like kind of royal. But also, you've got this jungle, just complete yeah. jungle feel underneath it. So it's interesting. I just find it so interesting. I was going to say safari, like this stuff yeah. with the strings here and everything. It's just like adventure, expedition, dinosaur safari. <laughs> I meant to uh, bring out all of my percussion. I have, you know, the bongos and the <laughs> you know, tambourines and everything else that I've got. I wanted to play along, but it's probably yeah. distracting. Um, some of the percussion that's used in this film, congas, bongos, jungle drums, gourds, log drums. There's some tabla in here. chaotic but like hones it right back in absolutely Getting back in the back in line for this march if we are m- marching along the game trail we're gonna go capture some dinos such a good build and crescendo into this like yeah it's like taking it to all new heights right here yeah this whole thing leans back and forth between like a 3-4 and a 6-8 yep feel it just feels very wild and just I don't know (laughs) I I noted that as well we'll talk about that such a good ending too man excellent just so (laughs) incredible (laughs) yeah and you mentioned like the three four and i i took note of that too because like 
I, I, I always find that like, I really love songs that are, you know, even just regular, you know, bands and, and stuff like that, that just play in three, four. I don't know. There's something <laughs> about that, that I just absolutely love. Because four, um, four is uh four, four is too basic. It's the normal. Right? It's, it's the normal <laughs> thing. And like Jurassic Park is a lot of just like, you know, the standard one, sure. two, you know, yeah. three, four. And, uh, there's something like, I guess wild and, and, you know, you're not used to when it comes to the three, four and it just feels so just flowing in a different way that I, I think that's what makes that track there excel so much. Uh, so that's just, I love that so much about it. Absolutely. I, it leans back and forth between a three, four feel and a six, eight Mm -hmm. feel. And it doesn't always lean between those in the same pattern. Mm -hmm. And like, as as with any film cue, there are going to be like bars in there that are a different time signature just for like a transition and stuff, and that happens sure. in the in the Lost World. But like, I don't know it the that partic- those particular time signatures and feels that it goes back and forth between. Just I don't know. Um, it's nat like three four is like naturally different from four four. You know, it's pretty basic. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know. It, I think it, uh, I don't know. It, it signifies, it signals the difference to you that it's like this back and forth wild thing. Those yeah. sometimes signatures. So, and there was, I guess, you know, like we had mentioned before, there's a lot of tracks, um, included here that were intended to be in the film. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, maybe they made some different edits within the film and, and they didn't have they didn't have any time to like come back and score. I think John had moved on to uh, something else. Amistad maybe at the time or, or something else. I, I forget exactly where he moved to. But, um, you know, so he didn't they, they didn't come back to like redo it and try to make the kind of music that he had fit. So they ended up just reusing that theme that we just heard. There is an alternate to um yeah, but they they did use those two versions like throughout this score, yeah, quite or throughout the film so often, and uh, like we were mentioning the alternate before, versions it's fun. a lot. Oh my god, yeah. it's so it's so fun that I had to have it as the intro of this of the podcast. <laughs> truth, yes, truth. Um, no, and this you know the Lost World main theme. Um, it this cue it sort of gets like, you know, we were talking about how they use it so much throughout the film like parts of it like it gets edited i noticed last night when i was watching like it gets edited to like different lengths and like comes in at different spots and like it they use it in so many ways it's cool yeah i found that very interesting that like it's it's so chopped up so when you're watching the movie back please pay attention to that's that's track you just heard but just hear how different it is and how it comes comes across like completely different every time you hear it it's mm-hmm. so so cool and it's like i don't know how they continue to use this without it really truly feeling repetitive or anything like that it doesn't like to me every time i hear it i get excited and, and amped up and for me like it sounds like it's made for those scenes like it really sounds like you know they intended on having this throughout everything but you know, I yeah. guess I guess Stephen had thought, you know, oh, maybe maybe our score is a little too dark. I know our movie's already dark, <laughs> but the score is also dark and kind of, you know, 
a lot of dread yeah. in there. And then it's like, well, we got this great theme, and we don't really have a theme in this movie other than some dark stuff here and there. So, yeah. you know, let's just continually use it. And I just, I feel like it still does feel fresh, even though it it's uh, reused so often. But, you know, like you had said, it's cut and chopped in so many different ways that it feels kind of uh, unique every time. So I, I appreciate it yeah. for that. I think it's um, I think it's just John Williams and he creates music that is just absolutely perfect for the film and like this just there there energy in the other parts of the score that are so dark is so starkly different from how energetic and like <laughs> excited and motivated this Lost World main theme march is so yeah yeah. And you know what? I, I was thinking actually about the ending of Jurassic Park, too, while listening to this. And, you know, at the very end of that movie, there was a, a cue, uh, the T-Rex finale, that, you know, it had a very uh, kind of, you know, scarier ending to that T-Rex kind of saving the day. It wasn't as triumphant as it sounds because they added in the, the like the island fanfare in there. So it was very triumphant. Mm -hmm. It was a big winning victory for the T-Rex. Um, so that's something that they added in after the fact. Um, but the score that was there was that four note motif just kind of played over and over again, uh, the predator theme. And, it would have been a completely different movie, you know, I think if the, or maybe not a full movie, but like it would, that scene would have been so different if, uh, if that was still included in there, the take that they actually used on the score. Um, I don't, was it on the score or was it on the expanded one? I forget. I guess it was on the, I don't know. I don't remember, but, um, well, we're not analyzing that movie right now, but, uh, I just, I wonder if that changed how Steven Spielberg viewed this movie, though, when it comes to yeah. the theme and reusing things and inserting things in, you know, absolutely, absolutely. And I, what I was, I think it did because what I was about to say was that, um, you know, at the end of near the end of the Lost World, when Ludlow meets his demise, um, what do we hear but the Lost World theme when he's dying <laughs> at the jaws of? <laughs> baby t-rex <laughs> and I, I think you know using the the fanfare the energetic the exciting uh fanfarish jurassic music during intense scenes like that i think i don't know that i think that's kind of a i i mean i'm sure other media does stuff like that but like i that feels like a jurassic thing to me it's like heroic music during yeah. uh violent death <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about some of that violence i guess and and get into the darker side because yes. what we just heard was very triumphant very exciting in in your face this next theme that is very even more so maybe prevalent uh, throughout this film is uh is the island's voice um which is just this is what I was talking about initially when, you know, I this is the first thing you hear in the movie. This is what mm -hmm. sets the tone, sets the entire stage for what this movie is about to be. It's so different than Jurassic Park, even though it it kind of hinges on one of the main themes from that first movie um, in a way. You know, it's got that four yeah. note motif, which kind of reappears here, but in a different way. And it's but it evokes yeah. the same kind of feeling, right? Yeah. Um 
it's a uh, it's a new four note motif. It is, but it's yeah. John Williams sort of. It's this that four note thing that we just heard right there, um, and it's you know John Williams introduces a four note rapping motif in Jurassic Park. The da, 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 da. and this is his this four note thing is the sequel to that four note thing. So. Yeah, you know it's funny when I'm I'm so glad you were able to just pull that out like so quickly the <laughs> the Jurassic Park version because while listening to this score in the movie there were so many moments where I was like wait what it, how does it go I can't yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> yeah I'm like is this the predator no this is no this is the island voice I'm like yeah. so I had a hard time I was like it's so you know closely related like a cousin or something that you know yeah. you, you can and I think that speaks to what the what the score is trying to say is that this island is full of mystery and predators and and death terror. and terror. Yeah, it is, these islands are literally called the five deaths for a reason. Yeah. and this this <laughs> this four note motif hinges on that first four note motif, changes it up, and makes it almost even scarier and darker and yeah, just like this part here is one of my favorite moments in the score. that four note thing right there yeah just how and how it's rumbly it keeps and happening dark like all all throughout the film that four note thing continues yeah um that's the jurassic park one this one is <laughs> yeah this one so, goes up that one kind of goes yeah. up and then down up and then down uh, yeah so yeah this one this one's different but you know evoking ev- evoking the same feelings and and you mentioned you know it's used a lot it's it's used like all over the place but it it does feel different kind of a lot of the times that it's used as well yeah so we've got a bunch of uh fun aleatoric and uh ad-libbing in instrument sections lots of that about to happen in this in this queue and happening as we speak so this is obviously the very beginning of the movie you've got yeah. kathy and her family on the island trying to have some lunch <laughs> oh, here we go. This is the aleatoricism and the random pitches to instrument sections and play play ad lib. I love the use of ratchet in this score. Yeah. <laughs> And then the best the match Malcolm. cut in the history of cinema. <laughs> yeah, cue Malcolm yawning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, and that was originally uh, paired with uh, the compies, I believe, uh, in the uh, original score. So, you know, another one of those pairings that uh, kind of works, you know, it, it works because yeah. it's compies. But there's a lot of compy music, I think, in this score. But uh yeah, or a few a few different versions, but uh, that was paired originally with that. So, um, so um, I, I love it. One more thing about that new four note motif that we have now, the sequel to the Jurassic Park four note <laughs> motif. Um, so, those four notes are C sharp, D sharp, E natural, and then C sharp up the octave. Um, and 
that's those are the first three notes of a C sharp minor scale, which um, matters if you're like me and you remember that the first chord in Jurassic Park that we talked about last time was a C sharp minor seven flat five. So <laughs> we're in this we're in the same key to start. Arguably the same key to start both films with some of the same same notes, and uh, we're signaling, uh, you know, menacing dinosaurs and a, a scary island uh, in in both. So <laughs> yeah, um, so those are the two themes. You know, we'll hear them. Uh, well, we'll hear them often throughout this, but maybe not so much the Lost World theme because that that ends up mostly getting reused throughout the film but there's not mm -hmm. a ton of edits within these tracks it's not like they're like let's edit it into this version so that's really not the case but um you will hear the island's voice that track that we just heard throughout this quite often um but yeah i think that's a great like yeah. way to set the stage because those two versions the you've got the adventure but then you've got the terror and that's what this movie is mm -hmm. those two things Absolutely. What what you don't really expect is, um, you know, sometimes you get uh, music that is not on the score, um, mm -hmm. and not not it is in the movie, but it's not you know not John Williams' work or anything like that. And in that case, yeah. we do have a little bit of uh, Beethoven. <laughs> so uh, yep. this is a, a good point to mention that you know after getting on the subway and. Uh, Heading up to John Riding Hammond's up house. to the Upper East Side. Yeah. <laughs> um, we get John Hammond's, you know, mansion in there, and uh, you get this music playing in there. The Piano Sonata, yep. number eight, in C minor. Uh, pathetic. pathetic. Um, and this is the second movement. So the first part doesn't sound anything like this, but uh, this second movement is clearly what you hear when you step in inside that. And I wonder... You know, I was looking into this track and, um, you know, trying to get what was the idea behind it? And it's not there's not like a yeah, there's not like Beethoven's not like on a podcast being like, oh, you know, this is what <laughs> I was thinking about it, you know, uh, but uh, so it's hard. But, you know, it, Beethoven it, it, had a Jersey accent, right? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, hey, uh, you know, I wrote <laughs> this because uh, my buddy was pretty pathetic, you know, um, but uh, <laughs> no, he did not do that. Um, but, uh, th I think the idea was not that it was supposed to represent like pathetic and, and things like yeah, that, like, yeah, like yeah. the way that we see it, but more of a beautiful side of things. But I wonder yeah. if it was chosen because of the name more so than anything else because of um, what, because of what we're walking into. I don't know. I wonder, yeah. <laughs> you know, because of, uh, Ludlow and all that stuff. He's just the pathetic version of John Hammond, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's diegetic, which means that it's happening in the film. It can be heard by the characters. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had the same thought when I was, you know, every, every time I hear it, when I heard it last night, I was like, I wonder like why the filmmakers made this choice. Like what's the meaning of putting this music here? Um, I think it, uh, like it's, it's a fairly well-known piece of music. Like it's used in other stuff and it's also oh, yeah. Beethoven, but like um, it's, it's very classical. And I think the tone to me sort of like exudes this like supposedly 
high class, uh, yeah. arrogant type environment that we're in. Not necessarily with Hammond, but like it is a nice house. So like it fits the house kind of. <laughs> but then like with Ludlow, it's like yeah, this this guy is like fake fake class arrogance type yeah. thing. So so yeah. I wanted to make this next comparison for you. Okay? Just for yeah. you because it doesn't have anything to do with the movie but okay. I, while while researching this song i did come across uh, a track by billy joel <laughs> oh okay <laughs> called this night and i know you oh, had yeah, just, yeah yeah you, you oh had just my posted, gosh you had just I know exactly about billy joel i know exactly what you're about to talk about yeah so <laughs> when you get into the chorus of the song just for some fun you get to hear all right let me go back a little bit Ready? I think it comes in here, right? So if you're wondering why am I playing that, that's the exact part from that music that we just heard from Beethoven. It's the exact same yep. piece of music that Billy Joel yep. just kind of repurposed for his chorus. So uh, if you look so, at the um, the writer credits and other uh, you know things listed on like the liner notes of that song, uh-huh. it, he Billy Joel credits Beethoven. Of He's, course, says, yeah, like, it's not gonna Beethoven rip off. <laughs> Beethoven's gonna get on the next podcast and be like, "Yo, you ever hear this Billy Joel? I got, I got some words for him. <laughs> He's man. copying my music." <laughs> so I just thought that was a nice little fun thing to kind of talk about for a second there. That next time you watch The Lost World and you hear that, just know that Billy Joel uh, also. What I you're guess, saying you know, a, in an in an alternate, <laughs> yeah, in an alternate universe, Malcolm shows up to Hammond's <laughs> place and he's playing Billy Joel. <laughs> it, like it would have been nice. Billy Joel could have actually just made a cameo. Like I feel like in this era, there was always like a cameo of some like you know, just popular person that could have just walked out of his house and been like, thanks for writing me as you could have heard uh, John Hammond being like, thank you for writing me uh, a wonderful score for my uh, new dinosaur video. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, there is another one that you had sent over the like screenshot from the, the film credits. And I, I didn't even pick up on this one. Um, but yeah. the, this is from Mozart. You ever hear of this guy? Uh, he's He also has done a few totally. podcasts, I guess. Um, but uh, Piano Sonata number eight in A minor. Um, I don't really, I think this is maybe once he crosses the threshold into his office. I, I forget exactly where this pops up. I'm pretty sure it's when he actually gets into Hammond's office slash bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't too sure because I was like, oh, that kind of surprised me. I didn't but know there was another track. It's super, it's super subtle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, the uh, yeah. Beethoven is too. Yeah. Well, the Beethoven stands out more, but this time around watching the movie, I was like, whoa, this music goes on way longer than I thought it did. So I yeah. think that's what I was hearing was this. Uh, I didn't know it, know it at the time that it was could have been a different track, but I was like, wow, I didn't realize this, this music kept playing even though he switched into a different room and he's now, a, it's a different scene basically. And I was kind of yeah. surprised by that. So I thought that was pretty cool though. Um, no, Hammond's, Hammond's playing good music. And it, it struck me that the Beethoven, at least like 
it goes all like there's that really tense heated conversation between malcolm and ludlow <laughs> yeah and it goes through the whole like it's playing through the whole thing yeah and it's like i don't know hammond has good taste in music but like i don't know it it also feels like it's sort of mocking ludlow a little bit maybe <laughs> but i don't know yeah yeah it could be um so those are some things that are not included in well not included in the score but they are part of the movie not billy joel billy joel was not there um but <laughs> let's move on to the next track here from la la land records and that is revealing the plans so this is uh during that this conversation this one picks up towards the end of the conversation basically when yeah. ian finds out who is involved and Sarah's on the island and uh, yeah. you can tell and right the here, dire nature. Yeah, and right here at the beginning you are, have a variation on the Jurassic Park theme right off the bat. In the yes! Studio. Oh my god, yes, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, you're right. We can go back actually. Let's do... Right there. Yeah. It changes yeah. up. It, it, just listen to how dire and, you know, kind of hopeless it feels but it's that jurassic park theme it's so interesting this cue is like probably like top three favorite film cues of all time for me like wow it's and on the original album it's called hammond's plan i think right uh yeah it's um it was it was originally titled Hammond's Plan, which which also included the Long Grass, uh, which we'll hear. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, but you also do get um, a little these bit high of, strings. It's like so yeah. so much intrigue. You also get the Predator theme in here. Yep. Is that a harpsichord? What is that? Uh, that is a good question. I'm not sure, actually. Like. I don't want to say and be incorrect. <laughs> it might be. There's the Predator theme right there. I think. Oh, yeah. You want to put your name on something? Fine. Stop putting it on other people's headstones, John. I See, I love these movies for the conversations the talking mm-hmm. and most of them mm-hmm. don't have music but this is where it gets intense and I love this build up oh, this rendition of the Jurassic Park theme oh. is perfect not a research expedition it's a rescue up op- it's not a res- what does he say <laughs> it's not a research operation it's a rescue expedition and it's leaving it's right leaving now, now. <laughs> And that same variation is used even in Jurassic Park a little bit. And um, yeah, but it's just so triumphant and just so heroic sounding. Um, yeah. I, I love how that was, you know, placed into this. And it's used sparingly. Like they do use that, you know, bum, 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 a handful of times. But when they do, it, yeah. it matters and it's important. It's not. You know, I, th- I think some people would argue that maybe sometimes it's kind of just thrown into the news scores from Giacchino. Not, no, no shade, Giacchino. I really love the scores. But sometimes it's kind of just thrown in there to evoke something. But these are, are kind of meaningful insertions here for the uh, original score. 
Yeah, I this is one of my all-time favorite film cues, all-time favorite pieces of music because like you have a reunion of two characters, two important characters from Jurassic Park, but it's not but like we're not having a happy reunion. We're not happy necessarily. We're kind of in a odd, dire situation. Yeah. And so the music is not uh exciting or adventurous or fanfarish at least at first. It's like dark and mysterious and intriguing and yet john williams still finds a way to weave those jurassic park themes in there um and vary them uh pitch wise and harmonically so that they fit the emotion like those same themes but they are tweaked a little bit to fit the emotion of this scene which is mysterious and uh a little bit uh worried like i feel like worried there's oh, a lot yeah. of worry in this scene from malcolm <laughs> well and it so starts, it starts with like a lot of confusion because he's like whoa, 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 you're, you're telling me yeah. there's, a, there's a another island with dinosaurs <laughs> uh, you know no fences people this time. real people to the, you know <laughs> so it's like he's like learning a lot of things and then then he gets into that worrying state of like well who who's this other person that you sent out there <laughs> and yeah and just like i'll i'll get to it it's you know I, i'm gonna lead you there slowly Ian. <laughs> <laughs> no i love how he works the jurassic park themes in in a, an extremely mysterious uh dark way and then somehow through the magic of john williams like builds into this hero i mean it, you use the word heroic and that that's like a super accurate word i think for this scene like ian malcolm's about to go lead an expedition to go rescue people yeah. on an island like which is it's heroic against the grain it's against the grain too like that's not yeah who he is really like a true you yeah. know and so to have that played right there for him is so satisfying to me because oh i'm like oh he is a hero wow like yeah. i get it like he's a hero this is it's brilliant so i love how it's used it is absolutely brilliant i i've just always loved how those themes come into that queue so yeah so the next one here is oh man one of my <laughs> most favorite cues of all time uh um, yeah and yeah this is uh oh i'm sorry i just clicked this play on the same one let's uh stop all those but we're going to the island yes I love how this track starts. Yes. Got the celeste sort of noodling around in there. That's that high, tinny, twinkly thing you sort of hear. There's great harp going on from time to time. Um, a lot of good aleatoric stuff here, stuff that's like not a theme or anything, but it just feels sort of wild and natural. Yeah. Like that run of woodwind right there. I've always loved. Billy's looking at how, a map of the five deaths. Yeah, once you see that map and you realize this world is real, like this is a real yeah. place and it's mystical and magical. And the way that this music is evoking that feeling is so brilliant with the harp watery harp feel you know you're yeah. they are on the water right now in the movie lost world theme yep we are on I love journey it's it's awesome oh My yeah favorite thing those those big booms 
Um, I love the way John Williams uses bass drum in this score. Oh. is like giant dinosaur footsteps that are just... They're not like rhythmically aligned. They're usually not rhythmically aligned. They're just kind of like no. big f dinosaur footsteps in the middle of the music. And it's <laughs> awesome. It's perfect. And I feel like a lot of the strikes and things that you hear in this score are like out of sync or off tempo or time or whatever. And, and you're like, you're kind of caught off guard by every time there is an impact that yeah. it, it scares you, uh, you know, in a way. And it makes you feel uneasy. Yeah. But I was listening to this as loud as possible today yeah. in the car. And <laughs> Absolutely. just, I don't know that there's a score with as good of a bass drum as this one. It's, yes. It rumbles your entire soul. It's so <laughs> Yes, it does. <laughs> that is the only thing that bass drum should be used for in orchestral <laughs> yeah. is dinosaur footsteps. Got those timpanis just roll going and going and going. Yeah. And again, like there's a lot of great conversation happening here in this movie. Yeah. David Kep, like great David at writing Kep, some stuff, you know? The legend. He wrote this is a longer story, but he wrote this scene on the boat right off the coast of the island. He wrote that scene that day that they filmed it. Oh he wrote my it. God. Incredible. Yes, that percussion, that tambourine. Yep. I just, I love the syncopation there on that tambourine. It's so Absolutely. Good. Then we get into a little bit of a frenzy here. Yeah. Kelly, so who started the fire? <laughs> no, no, no. They're screaming Sarah right here. They're like, Sarah, right? Oh, yeah, this you're right. Part, yeah. Um, I just, that always comes natural, like, after hearing this. I just hear Sarah. <laughs> Sarah! How, how many Sarahs do you think are on this island? Um, so <laughs> it's just so, so brilliant. Um, like, in the way that a lot of this script just feels natural, like, they're just speaking these lines from the heart, and... <laughs> They're just real characters, but Sarah, uh, Sarah says, I figured out how the animals survived without lysine. And Ian goes, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. So that is just one of my most favorite cues, uh, just how magical and, and mystical it makes the island feel as Kelly is discovering it in the yeah. RV, you know, that, <sighs> uh, that cue is the musical sequel to journey to the island. So, yeah, yeah, it's in a way <laughs> there's there's yeah, there's so many different parallels that you can find throughout this score to the first one. And they just take such a different tone. And I think this yeah. next one is also one of those moments, too, because this is the Stegosaurus. And I feel mm -hmm. like it tries to really be that moment where you see the Brachiosaurus for the first time. And it does it so well. You know, we make this argument a lot nowadays because, um, you know, people say like, uh, you, you know, these mo new movies are not like they used to be and they're not as magical and, and there's no much, there's no awe and wonder. Um, but somehow 
the the lost world i think was able to capture it in this moment because i find that i'm getting that from this beginning of this queue oh yeah you know, i i mean it feels so good and so like i'm the like movie, Ooh, what am i looking at here Ooh, you know I'm oh curious. yeah the movies and the scores are starkly different but they serve some of the same purposes and like this is the same like we're in awe of seeing dinosaurs for the first time but like it's just the, the tiniest bit more mysterious and different like you can just sort of tell that this this time is a little bit different there's no this isn't a park there are no fences like we're just on yeah. this wild <laughs> island and like that's the difference i think maybe but yeah you don't really like with the jurassic park theme you kind of know where it's gonna go this mm -hmm. it's kind of just maneuvering its way it's around ongoing this. you yeah. don't know where it's going next it's so interesting and then it gets very playful too at the same time yeah 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 i wrote down it's reserved hey nick but, it, but in reverence to the stegosaurus you know oh yeah it's, yeah the characters are holding back, but also in awe at the same time. It's really cool. Totally. Um, no, that moment right there when we see Sarah, that's like golden age romantic mm. strings, sort yes. of a little bit like we're seeing this heroine character. So. It reminds me of, you know, the Marion Ravenwood stuff, the Princess yeah. Leia stuff. It really feels like it's evoking those same feelings. It's yeah. very loving and romantic, like you're saying. It's, but it's playful at the same time. Mm -hmm. Have you been attacked? <laughs> oh no, that's just my lucky pack. It always <laughs> looks like that. Things get a little combative. That sounds very Star Wars to me, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Like, honestly, even like The Force Awakens, like, in a way, like, it kind of sounded like that. No, I hear it for sure. When she sees something, she has to, she has to, she can't. She can't, can't not touch. Can't not touch. Um, I like this bit with the strings with the baby stego. more romantic strings there I think somewhere around here there might be some stuff that's not in the movie mm -hmm. if I remember correctly because there is a point in time where it kind of cuts out and there's no music maybe this part this feels that's... like when they're like what do you think you're going to see? Big iguanas. <laughs> I think that's then. 
I should note Here that this go. is also an extended version from uh, yeah. what's on the original. Very lumbering, right? Oh yeah, it's back in that three, four, six, eight type feel a little bit. Building and building and building. Just a nice little fade out here as they yeah. become a little bit more safe. And when you fade, when it when it fades out, you still sort of have that bump, 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 yeah. bump, bump like just sort of still there as the foundation with the percussion and i think you hear a little tiny bit extra here in the track versus the film uh, i think the mm -hmm. film kind of fades out a little sooner than the track um but yeah that's that is a cool version and it's so interesting though that like for a listening experience this one is placed um number uh, number yeah 11 on the original score it's track 11 on the original score. It's like so far down the list. There's only 14 tracks, but this is this is at the beginning of the movie. Like, what are we doing? Placing it so far down. It's It feels odd, I feel like, from a listening experience, hearing that yeah. so late in that score. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a great little track. I, I like it a lot. Um, but that moves us... Uh, like, this, this uh, expanded score really just keeps moving. Like you know from scene to scene there there are i think a lot of moments in this movie that don't have music which i was like mm -hmm. there might be more scenes with no music in this movie versus the first I, i'd actually be really interested to notate like how much of those movies have no music you know like how how many minutes uh, sounds like so. a project i am gonna get <laughs> myself into at some point <laughs> yeah definitely uh so this is uh fire at camp and corporate helicopters Life will not be contained. Life breaks free, expands to new territories, and crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but, uh, well, there it is. There it is. I'm, I'm simply saying that life, uh, finds a way. That'll do it for another installment of the Jurassic Park podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you for tuning into this show and supporting us uh, especially over the past, you know, eight, nine years, however long it's been, it's been such a fun ride. And to think that we're just now diving into the score for The Lost World, I think really shows you that there are so many topics to explore, so many things to discuss. And with new movies, new shows, new games on the horizon, there ain't no stopping us anytime soon, I don't think. So we appreciate you tuning in and listening to us each and every week. It really means so, so much. Uh, we, we love all of your support. And of course, a huge thank you to Caleb Burnett for joining me once again uh, on just an incredible journey of, uh, you know, scores and uh, our histories into those scores and uh, talking about just really, really incredible music and uh, you know, they are these these are such deep dives that I appreciate Caleb for joining me on such a uh, arduous journey <laughs> to 
uh, you know, the unknown as we tackle just track after track after track after track and talk about unreleased stuff and score uh, like pieces of the the movie that are not even on the score and uh and then the references and our history there's just so much into these that goes into these episodes so uh i really appreciate that caleb sticks around for that journey and gives you his thoughts and feelings and expertise as well so thank you caleb and of course thank you to our host podomatic for uh letting us up- upload everything week after week and uh staying with us after you know probably upwards of 500 uploads uh you know yes we are still in the 300s with our episodes but we've released so much more than that so thank you to podomatic of course everybody please stay safe be kind let's continue to fight for representation change and equality in the jurassic franchise but more importantly outside of it in the real world let's continue to fight for that change and to make this world a truly better place I'm going to hold you all to that. But let's go ahead and hand things off to myself for the outro. Take it away. Saddle up. Let's get this movable feast underway. Continue the conversation with us on threads and Instagram. Watch our content on TikTok and YouTube. Find us on the web at JurassicParkPodcast.com. You'll find today's episode's show notes, articles, contributor bios, and so much more. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, our website, and wherever else podcasts are found. So please be sure to follow along and share with your friends, family, and fellow Jurassic fans. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We will read your Apple reviews at the end of most episodes, so be sure to spare no expense. Don't miss our Wednesday night live streams, toy hunts, reviews, in-depth bonus content, gameplay, event and theme park coverage, on our YouTube channel. If you want to get a hold of us or participate in the Jurassic Mailbag, you can fill out the contact form on our website or send emails and MP3s to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Feel free to call our voicemail line at any time to leave us a message or just to say hi. That number is 732-825-7763. Thank you so much for listening. And as always... Enjoy.